Greetings. My name is Linda Talaferro, and this is the Being Brown at Work podcast. I help Black and Brown female professionals confidently and expertly navigate the corporate world so that they can reach new career heights and establish their seat at the table. So whether you're kicking off a new career, leaning in a new direction, or looking to climb the corporate ladder within your current job, I'm here to propel your career forward by giving you an insider's look at cultivating an executive mindset, creating leadership opportunities, establishing an executive presence, and more. So join me every week as I guide you towards becoming a leader in the corporate world and show you how to step into your true power and potential. Greetings, greetings, everyone. It is that time of the week. Yes, my favorite time. I know, I always say it. What the heck? I'm not going to change. So I think you guys, if I didn't say it, I think you guys would think something was wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> favorite time of the week. Welcome to Being Brown at Work Live. And I am sure if you were have been with me any amount of time, you recognize this face of my guest. It's a recurring guest. But if you happen to be new, I'm going to introduce you just briefly to her. And we're going to have part two of what was a phenomenal conversation that we started before the holiday. So this is Cheryl Thompson. She's the founder of Cadia, which is Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement. And I just want to say you hear automotive, but Cheryl and her group work with anyone across all industries on this critical, critical work that's around DEI. KD is a mission-driven organization that supports diversity, equity, and inclusion for the automotive industry and other industries by providing professional development for individuals, along with resources, programs, tools that drive organizational evolution which is, I think all of us would agree, is so critical. What we need truly is an evolution around the workplace, around corporate America. Welcome back, Cheryl, to Being Brown at Work Live. Oh, thank you, my friend, Linda. So happy to be here. Really happy that you had me back. That's good. <laughs> oh my gosh, Cheryl. It's an honor. It's an honor and a privilege. You know, last time we had such an excellent conversation around, as you stated, the work that I do, because as, as those of you out in the audience know, the work that I do is focused around the individual, you know, helping black and brown women really own their stuff because we can get in our own way, and then also implementing tools and methodologies so that irrespective of what be going on around us, that we can navigate that landscape successfully, right? And get to what you hear me say, seat at the table, however you define that, that next level opportunity in your career. So I do that individual work or you know, facilitate workshops with groups around the work you do within yourself. But what we're going to talk about tonight, and excuse me, in, in part one, Cheryl shared her story of the challenges she had in the automotive industry and also conversation we had around that individual work, really being our own allies and th that type of stuff. But today, what we're going to talk about is the systemic change. And, and Cheryl says something that I think is wonderful, and I don't want to misquote it, so I'm going to find it here in my wonderful notes. She says, 
what do organizations need to do through the DEI lens and retool for equity? Retool for equity. Fabulous. Because she That's also right. shared, right, Cheryl, isn't that right? Because Cheryl shared with us, and you might want to comment a little bit on this, Cheryl, that workplace systems were created in the 50s. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. By men, for men, because that's who was in the workforce. I'm not faulting them for that, but we need a right. refresh. <laughs> we, we need to retool. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no fault, because you're right. That is who was in the workplace. Women did not start to advance into the workplace until much later than the 50s. So, so Cheryl, why don't you why don't you kick us off? You know, we're talking about systemic change. I mean, if there are some leaders in the DEI space or anyone in organizations and they're right now, because we know it's been kind of an uneasy landscape since the unfortunate George Floyd incident, which has really kicked this resurgence off, right, on DEI. Why does it matter? Why, what would you say systemic change is necessary? Why? Why does it matter? Well, you know, you shared your work is focused on the individual. And that's really where my work started. You know, I felt like I got in my own way just being a female in my corporate career. And that's really where Katia started was, you know, helping the individual. But I quickly realized if we don't have leaders on board, you know, really committed and, and being courageous in making that change that needs to happen. If we're not creating inclusive cultures so that when we do bring in uh, women, people of color, other underrepresented groups, if the, if the system isn't ready to receive them, they're not yes. going to stay and we're wasting a whole bunch of money. And the systemic change, I think it's really, really important because if you don't put systems in place, if you're not changing your systems, you're relying on the kindness and the empathy of individual leaders, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yes. and, and, and what happens when there's a, a crisis? Let's just say that I lost one of my top performers in a critical skill, and I have a friend who's going to be a shoe-in, right? What's going to happen? I'm going to put someone in that role that looks like me, I'm comfortable with. So what we really need to do is how do we make the systems inclusive and equitable by default. Right? Ah, yeah. So let, let's just take an example of diverse candidate slates, right? A lot of people are piloting these or are looking at them or have implemented them. Um, and, and that is, you know, we want to have uh, qualified candidates on that slate that have at least one woman and an underrepresented minority. Okay. So that's, that would be an example of systemic change, but Let's just say that, um, you know, I don't have time to make that slate diverse or I've looked, but I haven't looked too hard and I can't find anyone. If I'm not required to go get like VP approval to deviate, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to take that too serious. If I know that I'm required and I have to go get VP approval to deviate, I'm going to work a lot harder to find yes, that qualified yes. diverse candidate to at least, you know, be considered for that opportunity. Yes, because you, the point you made is that, you know, there's individuals that are the hiring managers, right? And if yes. those systems aren't in place, like the example you gave for VP approval or whatever approval to deviate, the natural instinct is going to jump in. It's going to, that's what's going to happen. And, and the biases are going to show up. I mean, let's exactly. just, you know, let's just be real about that. And biases exist on both sides. I want, you know, everybody to understand we're not just 
pointing them in one direction (laughs) because they exist on both sides. But we we do know this data has has out there. Enough studies have been done that the landscape is not necessarily tilted toward the underrepresented, the black and brown people. It's not tilted in their favor. So to your point, which is why it's so important to have systemic change. Yes. Right. Right. And, you know, uh, for black and brown people, we need to have them at that table. You, you need to be at that table helping us think about what systems do need to be changed. You know, what are the barriers and the oh, obstacles? Yes, There's that yes. saying, and I think it was um, originally created by the disability community, no decisions about us without us. Ah. Right? So we, we really need to pull in <gasps> yes. the people on the margin. Yes, I'm sorry. I had to react to it because I hadn't heard that. No decisions about us without us. Right. Oh my gosh, that's so critical. Because to your point, how do you understand? I mean, you don't know what it's like to be me, right? right? Unless you allow my voice to enter into the discussion process and the decision-making process. I think I might've shared this with you in, in previous conversations that we've had. You know, I interviewed for a role and I had to interview eight times. Eight. <laughs> Eight for the same position. And I had to bring in the evidence of some of the stuff that was on my resume. Oh, and I know that I know that I know Cheryl, and I didn't ask the question, but I knew that I knew. They, all the other candidates weren't doing that. Right. One, they weren't all coming in eight times. They weren't bringing in evidence. So it's important if you're putting together your interview process and your vetting process or whatever you call it, to hear from people like myself who's had those experiences, right? Or statements made about my hair or does, or they see an organization and they make a decision. I know some people in the past, no one recently, thank goodness, that will look at someone's name and yep. decide. <laughs> yep, yep, that, that is another systemic change to take those identifying characteristics off the resume, the names off the resumes, Right. You can do that yes. or you can use it as a tool, uh, a teaching tool. Right. Going through the resumes, first pass, who gets thrown out, who who, who stays. Yes. And then just looking at it. How do we do? And use how'd that we... as a teaching tool. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. My Because I don't there's you can't look at my resume today and tell and clearly my name, Linda Talaferro, you would never even guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is the same way. There's nothing on her, her resume. She's a third year law student. It gives you the impression she's a black woman. So, you know, th- that part of the And you system. shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> True, we shouldn't. You're right. Good point. Good point. So, so we understand, and there's also want to add this comment that I'd love for you to kind of take us into some areas that you think are critical that companies uh, or those individuals leading this effort should focus in on as they're thinking about systemic change. But we all have seen the studies around the benefit of having a diverse group of people at the table at organizations, right? It's, you hear it often, you know, uh, revenue increases. I bring my experiences, my way of thinking into the environment, and it adds those nuances and kind of shifts the direction, the strategic even approach in a different direction. There's value in having everyone represented, right? Value right. in having that. Everyone represented and everyone feeling comfortable to speak up and contribute, right? There's got to be that psychological safety at the table as well. So oh, that my gosh. 
It's, it doesn't do enough just to have a seat. <laughs> you, oh my gosh. Voice. Can we say that again? Not enough just to have the seat. You have to have the voice and That's you have right. to have psychological safety around using your voice. Yes. The belonging piece, the inclusivity has to exist, Cheryl. No right. doubt. Yeah. So if, if we've got someone in the audience, Cheryl, listening and we're saying, okay, yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not really sure where to start, we have all these systems, is there, where would you take them or how would they even go about it? I will tell you, Linda, one of my favorite tools is called the GDEIB, lots of letters, but it's the Global Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Benchmark. So it's this uh, comprehensive tool that will, I, I think, do a really good job of telling you some things that you need to look at inside your company. So this tool was put together in 2006 by 106 global experts that have been doing diversity and inclusion, you know, this equity we've started talking about in just the last couple of years. And it it gets updated frequently. They just updated it uh, 2021 in April to include more elements of equity. And it looks at 15 different areas within a company and it's split up into four groups. And the first group is all about the foundation. So ensuring that you've got the business rationale for why are we doing this as a company and that everybody agrees. There can't be any cracks in the foundation with the leadership team, right? Mm, Wherever that wink is, is going to be a problem because then everyone doesn't buy into it. Everyone doesn't believe. So really having that leadership team on board is number one. Having leadership accountability um, for the decisions and the processes and the retooling of the systemic change that that Mm -hmm. has to be in place, and then some type of governance for DE&I. So that's the first part. The second part is the internal, and I think this is the biggest opportunity for that systemic change because it's looking at how do we recruit, you know, looking at are we going to the same schools because all of our recruiters or our hiring managers went to that school and, and they're, that's the good engineering school or, you know, that's good. We get good finance or controllers out of that school. But really looking at, you know, how do we expand that talent pool and, and make sure that we're looking at fishing in all the ponds. Yes. It's also looking at how are we um, assessing performance? We know that just let's just talk about gender for a minute. Women are more likely to be assessed on their personality and men are more likely to be assessed on results and outcome. And and I'm not a person of color, but I would imagine uh, that there's probably a nuance in there for people of color as well. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And I have seen some data that said people of color are more likely to be put on a performance improvement plan. Well, what's going on there, right? So Mm -hmm. it it includes looking at and, and maybe auditing performance reviews. And then also looking at how are we positioning people for advancement? Are they getting access to mentors? Are they getting access to sponsors? Um, are they getting stretch assignments? And really keeping a list of that. And do we have parity with the, the dominant group? You know, if, let's just say white men in, in automotive, yes. because that is the dominant group. Um, do we have parity with um, women and people of color and other uh, underrepresented groups for mm-hmm. who's getting who's getting those high profile, high visibility assignments, exposure that are going to set you up for advancement? Right. We know in automotive that operations, anything having a PL responsibility, yep. anything that's customer facing, that's going to set you up. Right. Yes. So it's, yes, it's looking absolutely. at um, how people are recruited, 
how people are hired back to the diverse slate of candidates, ensuring there's diversity on that interview team, ensuring that you've got education. You mentioned bias. We all, if you mm-hmm. have a brain, you have bias, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we all have absolutely. it. And, and we, we do. need to just, we need to be educated on, on what is bias and we need to be reminded. So I have this like, I have this cheat sheet. You can't really ah. really see it. But, you know, when I do training on unconscious bias, it's like, let's pull this out. Every time you're doing anything having to do with leaders, you know, having that mm-hmm. um, ability to make a decision because it comes up in, you know, all of the phases of talent management. And just remember what the biases are that are most right. common that ha- that um, come up during talent development. So, so that's a huge piece. It, it, that's that's all the stuff you just mentioned is is just phenomenal, and I, I agree with you. What are the letters again? G E G D E I B. So it's just global diversity, equity, inclusion. Gotcha, gotcha. It's G-B-D-I-B. free. It's free. Can you believe oh, it's it? It's free. It's, wow, yes. wow. And if you want to use it to assess your company, all you have to do is ask for permission. Um, so it's looking at that internal part, and then it looks at the bridging part, which is all about. DEI communications, internal and external, it's learning and awareness, which I think is really one of those systemic things that need to happen because often there's a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of misconceptions about what is diversity, equity, and inclusion. People have this this thought in their mind that they're going to lose something or that it's reverse (sighs) discrimination. Like, let's just get everybody educated. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up before we go, because I I think that's where a lot of the reluctance lies. I think that's where the lack of sustainability uh, happens when people try to launch into this is because of those myths, right? I mean, this, I know some people that believe, you know, DEI is just all about quotas. And it's unfortunate because some organizations are handling it that way. Hey, I need to see X percentage here. And they're even tracking percentages. I'm like, oh my God, can we just not go back to the 70s or 60s where there was quotas? If you change this part of what you're talking about, which is the DNA of an organization, the culture of the organization, everything else comes, right? You don't have it all comes, but it's, it's that mentality that somebody's going to lose. And and I remember sharing with someone, look, when you start tracking these numbers or when you have a hiring manager or someone that has a team and you say he happens to be a white male and you say to him, your performance review, one of your goals is around you having X percentage women or you having X percentage black women. You think he's not going to get a little ticked off? You think he's not going to get a little, I mean, that's natural. It's the, you know, innate biases. Okay, somehow I am going to get penalized if I don't put a black person in that seat. So let me just go pick someone arbitrarily. Then they bring them in and then they ignore them, mistreat them. Next thing you know, they're on a pit. And and then and then they're like, see, I told you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boom, exactly. Then they're like, yeah. see, I told you, but I do it. And so I think to start with it, but that conversation, what you just said is so critical. And we need to be able to have these courageous conversations. People need to be psychologically safe in the environment to do so, because it starts with that awareness, the real awareness, the truth, the education behind what is DE&I, why is it important? What does it look like? 
right? And start to kill some of these myths. I think it's so critical. That's where it starts from. Otherwise, I mean, we're going to be talking about this, you and I, you know, uh, (laughs) what, five years from now, 10 years from now, I hope not, you know? Right, right. Yeah, we like to say we need to normalize and operationalize DEI, Mm, right? So just normalize it. It's not a scary thing, right? We've all probably experienced not belonging or not feeling included, even if white males, right? I just think of this one gentleman that I worked for, and he was just amazing. He was like one of those people you go to, to calm down, right? Something would happen, and I would be all stressed out. He would be the guy that calmed me down. And he was from Poland. And what he shared with me was he did not speak in meetings for his first five years in this country because of his, he was self-conscious of his accent, right? So everybody has something that has made yes. them feel not included or like they didn't belong. Um, yes. So let's just, you know, acknowledge that as well. This stuff really applies to everyone. But when you're really intentional, when you look at the data and you see where you're at and you look at the not the symptoms, because I would say the symptom is that number that people are starting to track that end result. But let's look at the root cause, right? Are we losing women and people of color at a faster rate than our majority group, right? Are they getting the same opportunities to have mentorship, sponsorship, or those high visibility um, assignments? Um, Are we making our benefits as inclusive as we can, right? Mm. Just think about parental leave versus maternity leave, right? or, Or leave for taking care of an aging parent because women are more likely to be the caregivers, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We've definitely seen all of that through COVID, but it's really looking at the benefits. And again, I don't know how you do all of that without bringing underrepresented people to the table table. for that discussion. And you can do that by tapping into employee resource groups. It's the, it's the perfect place. It's, It's the best place. And people, they would be eager I think yes. to participate in that, eager to share, but you've got to create the environment that people feel safe mm-hmm. and that they know yeah. that their voice will be heard. I can't tell you the number of times, Cheryl, that either myself or clients have experienced sharing the voice. And there's some type of retribution that's associated with the fact that you did speak up, right? And so that's why we talked about psychological safety earlier. It's so critical. But I'm going to tell you what, I mean, I think in today's day and age, and I am, my audience knows this, I am a glass half full person. I am positive, positive, positive. And although people would say, oh my gosh, you're a black woman, you really, you know, all the stuff that's happening. Yes. In, in spite of it all, I still, I still hold on to the possibility, the hope, the belief that the, the landscape will shift. It already has started to, right? But we'll shift it in a more meaningful manner and we will be able to sustain it long-term, which is why the work you do at Cadia is so critically important. And, you know, if any of you are out there, I don't care what your industry is, you want to go to Cadia, search them online, go and see all the tools and resources that they have to offer. You know, Cheryl, her and her team can come into your organization, help you assess your nuances. They even have training that you can send your people to. I mean, there's just so much that Kadia has to offer. That's why your work is so critical, Cheryl. And I, you know, I, I've shared this with you in person and I want to say it here, you know, corporately on this live. I can't express how much as a Black woman, 
I mean, I'm 35 years into my career now. Appreciate the work that you do. Wish that someone like you existed back when I started, when I kind of started at the same time. So, you know, but and and we both (laughs) had those same challenges, which is why you do what I do and I do what I do. Um, But I, I can't express how much I appreciate you and the work that you do. And no matter how many brick walls you run into or, you know, five steps you you might take forward and 10 steps back, I hope you still, you know, you stay focused and intentional because we need you. We, we so oh, need you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's people like you that keep me motivated and, and you know, fighting that good fight and getting up every day. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, and, absolutely. You know, having that glass half full. <laughs> Yes, for sure. So before we wrap, we've got about five minutes left. So Cheryl, what would you share with the audience? If there's three to five things you want to leave them with, I mean, you gave an excellent resource that's out there for them to go and start their assessment, which could let them know where their opportunities are. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap? Well, there there are so many good resources out there. Uh, there is no shortage of resources. It's using the resources mm. and the people with the power and the influence who can pull those levers and turn those knobs, right? We need to get to those people of influence because they've got the, the ability to make that systemic change. Um, yes. so, so I would recommend uh, finding out who that is in your organization and having a conversation. And if you're not already talking about it, open up the conversation you know, agree to or or volunteer to give that feedback of what are the obstacles, barriers, what's not working for you, you know, as as an individual. Um, Another great tool that I just found is called the parity model. Ah, Um, Okay, so just Google parity model. And it's a a wealth of information, but it also has a best practice uh, check sheet. And so it will allow you to go in and assess, you know, how are we doing in representation and what are some things that, you know, we can do to increase our representation? You know, so it talks about having some targets out there. Now, you know, you and I talked about those numbers. I believe you can't just look at that, the numbers, the output. I think you have to look at all of the inputs, right? What is going to lead to you getting those numbers? Um, But it also looks at equality. What are some things that you can put in place to ensure equality? So that would be things like, you know, we've been discussing, but also um, the compensation, uh, bonuses, uh, pay, uh, making sure that's done at some frequency, Um, making sure that um, people are educated on bias um, so that they know where to look for it, Mm -hmm. having also having some of your executives participate in listening tours, you know, putting, let's just say oh, a person who's in the majority yes. with a group of underrepresented people, having a facilitator come in and, and ask some questions to kind of draw out what is the experience that these yes. people are having, because that I'm telling you, there's nothing that opens eyes more than that, right? Just yes. hearing real life situations and scenarios. No, and sure, I know a lot of that was happening in corporate America in 2020 um, after that event at the end of May, and it stopped. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it should it it's it should be something that happens on a fairly regular time frame, right? I mean, it's really it's almost like town halls and different, you know. Yeah. But having those listening discussions where 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 you're you're truly actively listening, right? And you then take back some of that and implement it back to your systemic changes, right? So it, to, to your point of giving the opportunity for the underrepresented to be at the table, 
when yes. those discussions are being ta- are taking place on what is needed and why it's needed. Oh, I love that idea. Great suggestion, Cheryl. These are yes. awesome. These are yes, absolutely yes. awesome. There was there anything else you wanted to share? Uh, well, I also think more um, thinking more about inclusion um, and how to be inclusive leader. And yes. and let's face it, I mean our demographics are changing. And so what what is it? What is in it for the white male who's in the majority? Yeah, it's it's ensuring that everyone can be successful. Yeah, you know, absolutely. so leading inclusively, and there's a lot of good tools. Um, Deloitte has their six C model, so it's yes. courage, commitment, yep. cognizance, culturally uh, competent, um, and there's a couple more that are. Um, escaping me right now. There's the backpack of an authentic leader, but just thinking about how do I be more inclusive? Linda, I make mistakes every day. It's not, it's not you're a bad person. If you're overlooking some of these things, it's just, we're learning. We're all learning all the time. Exactly. (laughs) We're learning all the time and it's not a we versus they it's a we, 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 you know, it's, Mm -hmm. we all can be successful together. You're absolutely right, Cheryl. I love that. The resources you've mentioned are phenomenal. We're going to make sure we capture those. And I usually take content and put it into a blog with has, you know, associating you and your company with that. So we're going to make sure we capture all these resources because they've just been wonderful today. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much. I can't, again, tell you how much I appreciate you. And everybody, look, she and I have already talked. There's going to be a part three. (laughs) Where's my camera? There's going to be a part three. And we're actually going to shift the conversation because she and I, we we met for lunch and we were saying, you know, we, we need to really reach out to women again, you know, talk to them and say, don't leave corporate America. We need you to stay stay in corporate America. (laughs) Right. So these systemic changes will take place. So there's going to be a part three with Cheryl Thompson, but until (laughs) then, Cheryl, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. Oh, it's been my honor. Anyone I'm telling you, anything around what we've talked about tonight, or you need help in your organization, this is the woman to reach out to. Cheryl Thompson, Kadia, that is C-A-D-I-A. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, I have so much more to offer you. Book a complimentary call with me at lindatalaferro.com slash free consultation so you can start unapologetically achieving your own professional goals as a woman of color and establish a presence as more than just an employee. Let's go deeper, reach your professional goals, and apply this life-changing work to your career and beyond so you can rock your corporate game and get that seat at the table. 